friends, and welcome back to the To The Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Olivia Colombo, and I am a young Catholic changemaker, and I am so excited to be continuing this journey of seeking out people who are reaching to the heights in their own lives. This particular season, Hope and Humanity, we're focusing on people who are working for social justice, um, who are activists, who are really making change in the world. Our podcast is titled after the catchphrase of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Versati, who was a young person, a 23-year-old in Italy, who loved mountain climbing and also served the poor and vulnerable, so much so that his funeral, all of these homeless people and poor disadvantaged families showed up um, and his parents were surprised and shocked at how many hundreds of people were there who he had helped quietly that they didn't even know. Today's episode, I am very excited Um, We have a repeat guest from season one, Um, way back in season one, so like, I mean, that was only a year ago, but (laughs) it was more than a year ago. I recorded, I think in April, um, when Tommy Ty and Steve the Missionary um, from the Catholic TV show Repentance Submit came on um, when they they both live out in California. They fly in about once a year. Um, to record their show, Repentance Submit, which is a super awesome show um, aimed at millennials. Um, and they take questions from Catholic Twitter. They have all these fun little games, um, Saint Masks <laughs> and stuff. Um, I highly recommend that show. Um, you can find it on the Catholic TV app or wherever you watch Catholic TV or catholictv.org. Um, anyway, we have Tommy, Tommy Ty, um, back on the podcast today because since we've last talked to him he started his own podcast um since then it has been included in the grexley podcast network so he's a fellow grexley podcast friend um called the saint dimpna's playbook um abbreviated to sdp if you want to be cool (laughs) um so he is a marriage and family therapist out in california he works for a community mental health center um specifically focusing on chronic and persistent mental illness. Um, He's just an awesome guy. He's a dad um, to a bunch of boys. He um, was a joy to have on the podcast the first time, but this time we are focusing a little bit more on his journey toward becoming a therapist, um, how he kind of picked his concentration, um, and then all about the podcast, how the idea came about. Um, Since then, what he's learned what he's learned about the world, what he's learned about the church in answering and fielding so many people's questions about um, mental illness, mental health, and the faith. Um, we talk about maintaining boundaries with that, and we have a good conversation on what our church needs in order to better better care for people with mental illness um, and what we kind of as the body of Christ can do. Um, and we both give kind of what we wish for the church and how we wish it could grow and things that we can do. Um, yeah, it was a really good episode. Um, it was recorded, uh, late at night for me, um, on the East coast and (laughs) with Tommy on the West coast in his wonderful minivan where he records all of his podcasts and other segments for Catholic TV. So without further ado, here is Tommy's story of reaching to the heights. Welcome back to the To The Heights podcast. I have a very exciting guest with me today, a repeat guest. Um, Would you like to tell us who you are? Hi, my name is Tommy Ty, and uh, it's nice to be back with you. It's been a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been over a year. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for Um, real. Which is We're supposed to be in Boston right this very minute as you and I are talking, and Mm -hmm. of course, we're not there. (laughs) Yes, I wish we were there. (laughs) I was actually thinking about that. Like, I have... (laughs) I don't know. I have stuff I need to pick up at the Catholic TV office. Like I, I don't know. It would just be so much easier if we were there. I mean, yes. come on, God. What's your problem? Yes. <laughs> um, all right. So last time you were on, we talked a little bit about Repentance Submit, um, the show that you have on Catholic TV. And we had, I don't know, a much broader conversation about like Catholic media and things like that. It um, was very broad. I listened back. <laughs> yes. It was, that was, I don't know. And I think that was like, I don't know, like my sixth episode of a podcast that oh, I Oh, well, then recorded. it went really well, right? I mean, yeah. it went really well considering yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> um, it was a lot of fun, too. Um, yeah. But I was thinking this time we can take 
I don't know, a little bit of a more focused approach now that we have just you um, talking about your journey and particularly the podcast that you've started since then. Because sure. um, I think you started um, your podcast like a few months after. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely after. And it was probably, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess just a few months after I got yeah. back. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I feel like it was that fall. So yeah. I wanted to talk about that. I want to talk about your journey um, in kind of mental health and that whole world. Um, yeah. So I think a good place to start would be how you got into psychology. Why did you decide to study it? Um, oh, yeah. Cool. That, tell me a little bit about your story, the first part of it. Yeah, yeah. So it actually was a junior year of high school, and I took a, an AP psych class um, just in high school and just had a teacher who was um, kind of quirky and um, just one of those teachers that wasn't like the usual and, and still had a little bit of life in her, which is kind of, you <laughs> yeah. know, you find in maybe a fourth of your teachers in high school that they still actually have like a drive <laughs> and desire to help people. Um, and I found it was just a basic psychology class, but I found it so fascinating, so interesting. And, um, you know, when you're a junior in high school, you're kind of thinking like, what am I, where am I going to go to college? Uh, what do I want to do? And so that was really the first time that a subject had really um, kind of taken me and I was like, wow, this is like a thing that you can do, I guess. And so, you know, I, I went to college at UC Santa Barbara and I um, signed up as a psychology major just because of that, just because of that one teacher uh, and the class that she taught. So if you're a teacher listening to this, you can really uh, set someone on an amazing course in their life. So think about that, you know, it's pretty powerful mm -hmm. uh, to be a teacher is an incredibly powerful job, you know, to help people know where they're going to go in life. And then at UCSB, it's like I delved into psychology and just absolutely fell in love with it, uh, fascinated by it. Um, the social psychology studies that are really, um, you know, famous ones that maybe people would have heard of are just so uh, amazing and, mm -hmm. and baffling and fascinating. And you, you know, kind of like when you look at the Bible and you think like, well, if I was there, I wouldn't act like that. I wouldn't deny <laughs> Jesus like Peter did. You think that too about social psychology experiments like mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't do what those people did in the experiment, but we're so uh, connected, mm -hmm. you know, in our psychology. So, yeah. you know, so you go to, I got a bachelor's degree and then um, kind of realized that if you want to do something in psychology, you have to do more. So <laughs> I, um, you make a decision at that point in your, in your psychology career to either go into research, uh, which would be like staying at a big university for like a, a doctorate or whatever, or going into uh, counseling. So I chose counseling and um, yeah, it's like an 18 month program to get a master's degree in, in uh, psychology. And um, after that, just started working in community based mental health. And I've been doing that for like 15 years, I guess. Wow. So um, it's been really great for me specifically in my career. Uh, I work primarily with people with chronic and persistent mental illness. Um, I have lots of respect for people who are therapists for people like um, that are what we would call like the working well, like people who are just going to therapy for um, issues like couples issues or, or just things that we all deal with. I think that's such an amazing thing that therapists can do, but that's really not for me. I really prefer to um, walk alongside people who are suffering from really uh, severe mental illnesses just because um, they don't have a lot of people showing them compassion in their life. And so yeah. it's, uh, God, it's such a fulfilling job to be able to yeah. just like be with them, walk with them and um, just be a person with them because so many <laughs> people treat them like an illness. And so that's just been my my um my angle in my career that's it that's the story now yeah. i'm here with you <laughs> <laughs> that's a good story i like it um how did you decide on concentrating your marriage and family therapist how did you decide on that kind of pathway and how did yeah. you decide well we talked a little bit about um kind of chronic and persistent a oh. little bit more yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I live in California. So therapy, uh, a therapist or a counselor is really um, different in different states. So depending on where you live, it's different. I know there are like, you know, maybe like 13 states that have a similar thing. Uh, and you can take a, a licensure exam to, to be licensed in those states. But of course, California has to be our like snooty <laughs> selves and have like a very a different set of standards. So in California, you either become at a master's degree level, you become a licensed clinical social worker or a marriage and family therapist if you want to get mm. involved in therapy. Um, and it just so happened, you know, I applied to a couple schools and I just ended up um, in, a, in an MFT track program. Um, okay. But really, uh, for the most part here in, in our state, 
Um, they're almost interchangeable. So there's some things that like I can't do that a social worker would be more adept at, which would be like working in a hospital, um, you know, doing helping people with discharge planning in a hospital. But in terms of doing therapy, if you just like went to a random therapist here in California, it would be an MFT or an LCSW or a, a psychologist if they if they went longer to school. So um, yeah, I guess that was kind of just happenstance of the way that yeah. our state works. Yeah. Um, for where I focused my my career, it was really uh, when I, so when you go to school to be a therapist, you um, have to do a traineeship while you're in grad school, right? So you go work doing therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started at Catholic Charities actually doing just like oh. um, free therapy for people that came in. And um, the people were great. I loved them. They're awesome. But it really just was not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a difficult time. It's, it's so hard. So, I mean, we all go through so many difficult things, a hundred percent. But sometimes when people would come into therapy with sort of um, just regular everyday issues, I would be overwhelmed with this feeling of wanting to be like, yeah, that's yeah. how my life is too. That's how everyone's life is. Like you need to just, you know, get over it or whatever. And yeah. I was like, well, I'm not really effective as a therapist <laughs> in this group of people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched traineeships after a little while because I recognized uh, it just wasn't a good fit for me. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their kind of fit in the, in their career. Right. Um, so after that, I got a placement at a residential program. So it's like, um, people would, it was a private pay place where you would go and live for a few months to try to like uh, have intensive group and individual therapy. And you're just like in this residential setting for a few months, trying to kind of recover from a whole spectrum of different issues, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, PTSD. Like I, I got to really meet people who were walking through all kinds of different mental health experiences. Um, and from the first group meeting that I had, um, I was like convicted. Mm, I was like, this is it. This is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. Like I, it's very rare for me in my life to ever feel like, oh wow, like it clicked and this is what I'm supposed to do. But in in the moment of my first group, I can still remember it. Um, actually one of the clients in the group, um, was yelling at me, um, just got up in the middle and started yelling at me. And it was the first group I'd ever sat in. And I was Mm. really terrified because it kind of came out of nowhere and I didn't know how to handle it. Um, and there was another therapist with me who, you know, had been doing it forever and it went really fine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, I know it sounds weird, but when that yeah. was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to do this for the rest of my life. It's so mm-hmm. um, interesting. It's just so fascinating. So yeah, um, yeah. then, you know, here, I don't know how it is in most states, but in California, mental health is um, kind of run by the counties at the county level. So I've been working in county mental health since about 2005, which is just like a, an outpatient clinic, right, for people who have chronic and severe mental illness to get therapy or see a psychiatrist, attend groups, um, receive peer support from people who have also walked through that same experience, things like that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I ended up specifically there. Okay. Yeah. That the county by county community mental health, not the case here. No. What's it like? I want to know. Um, it's just so different. We, it's pretty much all private. Um, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's private. And it's, there's definitely like deserts of places where there aren't Mm. either therapists or good therapists. Um, It's definitely concentrated around the city um, and also around like the bigger, like bigger hospitals and psychiatric hospitals, like McLean is here, Mass General Mm. Hospital, stuff like that. Um, Yeah. It's so sad to think about people not having access. Uh, And there are places in California where people don't have access, but for the most part, uh, in the in the more populated areas, not even near cities, but just in places that are more populated, there's there's definitely county mental health like kind of everywhere. So um, we're really blessed. There was a maybe in 2000 and 2004 ish or so, there was a proposition passed here in California called Prop 63, which was uh, a one percent tax on everyone who uh, makes over a million dollars in California, mm. which is a lot of people evidently, yeah. <laughs> present company excluded, um, <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, so it's a 1% tax that goes completely to mental health services. So that um, usually, like most mental health services before that, were covered by a small percentage of property tax in the state. But when they passed that, it was just like an injection of money into the mental health mm-hmm. system. So, I mean, we could obviously use so much more and there's still there's so many problems and so many holes in the system as a whole. Yeah. Um, but that really helped to put services mm-hmm. around that have um, made a big difference here. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like I would have guessed that Massachusetts would be a state like that, but yeah, I don't know, not quite there yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of shocking that it won here, to be honest, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of lobbying, right? Because there's a lot of uh, a lot of money that would fight against that kind of a proposition. Sure. So it was really a blessing that people saw the need for it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. Um, all right. Why don't we switch gears slightly and get into talking about your podcast um, right. and how that came about. Do you want to talk about, um, I know at least for me, like the idea for the podcast was brewing for a lot longer than like there was a buildup to it actually starting. Sure. Um, so how did you, how, what did that buildup look like? And at what point did you decide to like jump and this is the podcast idea that I want to run with? Yeah, actually, you know, I was invited as a guest on another podcast called Clerically Speaking, which has Mm -hmm. uh, Father Anthony Sharapa and Father Harrison Ayer. Um, And they were talking, they had an episode where they were talking about um, uh, Father Sharapa's um, anxiety they had when he was in seminary and the help that he got for it and how helpful it was and coming up with ideas for how to make seminaries more mental health friendly Mm -hmm. um and in that episode they were like hey we know somebody who's like a therapist we should have him on so they invited me to come on and talk about it and um yeah i mean you know i've been doing catholic stuff like in media for for a while but Mm -hmm. but talking about uh, mental health with them um it was like oh yeah duh this is so fun i felt like edified and i really enjoyed talking with them about it and it's like i could just talk for hours and i thought oh yeah like (laughs) there's this thing in my life that I'm really passionate about. And um, so I thought like it would be fun because sometimes um, I'm sure with other things that you've done, like sometimes with media projects, it can become a chore. Like it's kind of cool at first and then it becomes Mm -hmm. this chore. Uh, But talking about mental health has never been like that for me just because it's like, I don't know, it's my favorite thing to talk about. Right. Um, And (laughs) for better or for worse in the Catholic church, we have a huge dearth of talking about mental health. So Mm -hmm. um, it filled kind of a void, I think that, uh, a lot of people felt at least people like on Twitter. I, I know that there's uh, various Catholic um, clinicians and therapists who have like a radio show or have like books that they put out. So, so nothing on them. Cause that's really cool that they've been doing that. But like, I think for our um, overarching age group, I know we're not the same age group for like people who are like 18 to 39 or something like yeah. that, like that are engaged in social media around Catholicism. It seems like there's not a lot of talk about mental health. but there's a lot of suffering from mental health going on there. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like it was an opportunity to start talking about it because um, there's just so much stigma. I mean, you know, there's so much stigma around mental health in our church and in our communities um, and there shouldn't be. And the only way for there not to be is for us to talk about it. So um, I think that's kind of where the, where the idea came from. It was like exciting and you just feel a need. It's like there's so many people suffering in the pews of our churches mm. or on the couches streaming mass right now. <laughs> True. Um, but we always think that everybody in the pew next to us is doing great. Mm-hmm. I mean, like when we go to church, like we're looking kind of our best usually. We're like, you know, dressed nicer than usual. We've taken a shower that morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. We've like put ourselves together. So it's easy from the outside to look at us and be like, oh yeah, you're doing fine. But all of us are suffering in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I really would like to foster a conversation where we're comfortable talking about that. Um, and where there's just not shame around our mental health and Mm -hmm. where priests and people who work, uh, in parishes will know what to do when somebody calls and asks for help. Cause I think people don't realize, um, that churches get a lot of that, get, get calls. Cause like you don't, people don't know, um, what to do to reach out for help. So they'll ask their priest or they'll Mm -hmm. ask the parish staff. And, um, I really envision a world where those people are prepared to be able to know how to help folks link to what they need, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. That's ambitious, I guess. But hopefully we can take small steps. First, mm-hmm. let's eliminate the stigma and then let's become a more mentally health uh, positive and aware church. I think that would yeah. be nice. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the um, kind of approach that you've taken of answering, like fielding anyone's questions. Um, I don't know. People just have those questions and they just need oh my a place gosh. to ask them. And yeah. a place that like actually has answers because I don't know. I feel like my, even my family has fallen into the hands of priests who are like, I don't know. Like, I yeah, don't know what to right, do with you. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I didn't think I was really going to, I thought like, oh, maybe I'll do this for like 10 episodes and then people yeah. will stop sending questions. But like uh, so many people have questions, like you said, and there's just nowhere to ask those questions. Yeah. Um, and then I think another thing I didn't mention that's like a really big part of the podcast for me is um, praying for people. Mm-hmm. So uh, one thing that's a little odd about Catholic media is you don't see a lot of people praying for people I've noticed, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know why that is. I, I don't, I guess maybe part of Catholic culture is that we're a little uncomfortable praying together yeah. unless it's in the context of mass or, or like a retreat or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, but that's been powerful for me um, because I've 
you know, through things that I've suffered through, I've really seen the power of other people's prayer. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times when I've gone through mental health struggles or just um, difficult losses and things like that, I have at times like lost the ability to pray for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and just because of that depression or, or whatever that kind of kicks in. Um, and so being able to pray for other people, I think is so cool because it really shows what the body of Christ is about. It shows Mm -hmm. that we're all connected and that we, um, you know, St. Paul tells us we should be praying for each other. So I think that's another important part. Everybody who like writes in with a question, like, I'm hoping that everyone who's listening is joining me in prayer, even Mm -hmm. though I, I struggle to pray on a podcast recording because sometimes people have told me I pray too fast. (laughs) So then I try and purposely pray slower, but then I kind of lose our, um, (laughs) common cadence of how we say like, you know, prayers. And I'm like, ah, how are people following along? Cause now I'm going too slow and I'm just uh, second guessing. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I totally get that. And that is for people, if there's people who aren't Catholic who are listening, it's like, there's just a way that we pray our prayers, like a yes. cadence and a pace. And uh, so yeah. when you start to consciously think about how fast oh, yeah. you're praying, you totally lose it and you, you sound crazy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you think about saying any prayer, like if you yeah. think about it too much, you lose it. Like, you're lost. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I notice that all the time, like praying the rosary out loud with the youth group. Like once you get to the nine, ninth Hail Mary of the day, oh, yeah. like praying it out loud and you start thinking about what words mean you're yeah. done. Like that's when you say Holy Mary instead of Hail Mary and you start with the second half and you're yes. like, okay, I've yes. lost it. It's yeah. over. <laughs> or like mismatch the Our Father and the second half of the Hail Mary together. Uh, oh gosh, definitely. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. So for people who say I'm praying too fast, I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> to go slow. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is interesting that like not a lot of, it is awkward and I would feel awkward like recording into a microphone sitting alone praying like why don't we do that in catholic media i don't know know. i mean i think it's really a part of it is that uh, well i'll speak for myself it's like i'm an only child i'm used to praying by myself Mm -hmm. i struggle to pray with others i struggle to pray pray even in my marriage with my wife it's like it's hard for me because i'm so used to praying alone Mm -hmm. um so i think maybe that's part of it and i think another part of it is we try to make our media be um applicable to everybody or we try to match it sometimes to be like what's the cool media that's going on and the cool media is not praying right yeah um you don't want to sound too like churchy maybe so that you can mm-hmm. get other people in but prayer is so powerful and even if i don't have a good answer for somebody at least i got like you know a few people to pray for them mm-hmm. and that means a lot really i think we we lose the power of prayer sometimes in our in our minds we forget yeah. about it yeah and there's like the power of prayer in the sense of like grace and God and that whole thing, but also the fact that the person is tuning in and that like there is another human being on this planet who cares enough about you to give you an answer. And even if the answer isn't perfect, that a whole bunch of people just prayed for you. Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Just like the human validation of like, yes, your problem is valid enough and you are valid enough for me to take the time right now. For sure, because most of our problems, like people don't want to hear them. (laughs) So most people will be like, yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, goodbye. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Or like the half-hearted, like, I'll include you in my prayers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe. Guilty as charged, it's happened, but not on this podcast. (laughs) True, yeah, like on the spot, we're going to do it. Yeah, I like that. Um, All right, I'm interested, how how has running this podcast been different than you expected? Have you learned anything? Has it changed over time? I know my podcast has morphed and changed in Mm -hmm. various ways over time. Um, Mm -hmm. But you tend to have a very, I like your like rhythm and your, um, I don't know, the different segments. It's very much like Repent and Submit. Um, (laughs) I guess I only have one way to be, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It's very, Uh... I don't know, predictable in a soothing way. I, I definitely wanted it to be structured and I, I needed to like write it all out ahead of time mm-hmm. because otherwise I'll just be, you know, just mumbling and getting off on tangents. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is I wanted it to be short. Yes. So it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe 19 minutes is the longest one. And usually it's around like 15 because, um, yeah, sometimes it can be hard to listen to like long hour long mm-hmm. podcasts, but this one people should listen all the way to the very end, even if it's an hour long. <laughs> um, so what, uh, what have I learned? Um, Gosh, I've learned that we're all struggling with the same things. Mm. That's something very powerful. Like, um, you know, I, I've had a lot of times where I've, I've shared something or someone's question and kind of explored it. And then somebody has uh, reached out to me to say like, Hey, like if, if this person's willing to talk to me, like I am going through the same thing and I'd love to talk to them about it. And it's like, Oh wow. That's like the community that we all need is Mm -hmm. like right there, you know? Um, So that's really awesome. Um, You know, the other thing I've learned is that people, 
appreciate when you just care about what they're going through. <laughs> That's, mm-hmm. I mean, I've learned that as a therapist too, but um, I think we're all scared that people are going to think that we're weird or think mm-hmm. that, um, or, or just not care. Like that really hurts if someone doesn't even care what we're going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very easy to show the love of God for someone by just saying, wow, I, that sounds really hard and I really care about you and I wish that it could be better, you know? Not trying to fix it, just trying to like validate that someone's mm-hmm. going through an experience that mm-hmm. makes a big, big difference. Um, what else have I learned through this? I've learned that, um, you know, something that's interesting about making Catholic media that, that I'm sure you know is that not a lot of people um, say like, hey, I like this thing you did. That's mm-hmm. like actually kind of rare, right? Yes. So it's like we make that TV show on Catholic TV and like some people do. I know there's like six people who like it or whatever, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if lots of people enjoy it or think it's funny. And, and same goes with like this um, other podcast I've done or this podcast that like sometimes you don't get feedback and it can feel like it's just going out into the void. Um, but this one, because there's certain, there's certain, uh, topics that touch people's hearts that, uh, experiences that they, that they've been through or, um, or answering their specific question, you know, it's like people get back to me and say like, wow, that was important. That meant a lot to me. Um, and that's really cool because you don't know when you're making a podcast. I mean, you can get numbers, I guess. Right. But you don't really know if people are being touched by it, if it's helpful. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that's meant a lot to me. And, and it's, so it's, it's helped me too. So now when I see someone, when I experience something that someone created that I really like, I've started to take it upon myself to like reach out to them and be like, Hey, I know people don't do this, but I just wanted to say this thing you did was cool. And, um, so that's been nice to yeah. receive that and to give that to other people. I don't know why we're like that. We kind of consume, we consume all the time. And like, I could even be like, Oh yeah, like here to my wife, read this article. It was really cool. I, it was powerful. And I liked it. Um, but then how many times do I circle back to the person who wrote it and be like, mm-hmm. this was so great that you created this thing. Thank you. Not yeah. enough. So that's yeah. something I've learned is that it, it feels good as a creator. And it, I think it's important to do as consumers too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that... I like this podcast you're doing, Olivia, a lot. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't do that enough. And I feel like we don't do that. Maybe when it's like in-person media, like when you go to a, sure, know, yeah, like a play or something like you, yeah, people, but like. And the people in the audience or the people on stage get to see how many people are in the audience and whatnot, but like, I don't right, know. but online, it's like a black box kind of, yes. right? And yeah. you just never know. And that can be hard to push through kind of. Mm-hmm. And then it's like when you get one person saying, hey, this thing that you said or did really touched me. It's like, oh, huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. people are listening. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then you fall into the trap of like, I mean, this is a whole other, like, this is a huge thing in youth ministry, like trying to get teens not to like feel validated by numbers of like follows or Mm. likes or whatever but like I don't know even as a podcaster you're like well maybe I will feel like I've made more of an impact when that number gets bigger when that number Mm. hits three digits four digits whatever Uh Um, but then like you don't because it's still just it's another figure on a screen like it doesn't yeah yeah definitely true and I think that's one thing that we have to remember in in Catholic media or in talking about mental health right it's like uh, man, it, it's, it, it has to be true in my head and I have to put it in my heart because uh, I know it's true that like if one single person who sent in a question mm-hmm. feels validated and cared for and, and cared about, mm-hmm. like that's it. That's, that's it. You're done. You've done it. Or if like one person listened to this podcast over the years that you've been doing it, like if one of them like feels cared about, feels special or feels a slight call towards Christ. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, that's, you're done. You did it. Who cares how many other people ever listen to it. Right. Um, so I think that's something we have to keep at the forefront of our mind that like, um, each person who you touch is like a human being, right. With a soul that lasts Mm -hmm. forever and ever. So that's like way more important than, you know, getting 15 likes or whatever it is. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard. You can get trapped in kind of that. Yeah. 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 I used to kind of have that mentality when I was doing more like public speaking and activism. Like I used to just, I don't know. I, I still get that way, but like, I'm, I love the idea of public speaking and activism, but then in the moments leading up to it, you're just like, why did I sign up for this? Oh like, gosh. Yeah, totally. I'm a hundred percent the same way. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. percent. And like, then my wife will always make fun of me. Cause like, if I've done recently, I've done like a couple mental health zoom kind of conferences for people who've asked. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm always like, Oh gosh, here I go out to do this thing. And then I come in with like a lighter step and a smile on my face. And she's like, you dummy, like, you know, that it's going to make you feel good. Why do you always beat yourself up like that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And yeah. I feel like after a year of podcasting, like, especially in the beginning, I was like, why, why did I, I totally brought this upon myself. Like, <laughs> you were the original, you're the OG Grexley podcaster, man. Like, yeah. right. You were the one Catholic TV podcast. Mm -hmm. Look at what there is now. Right. That's Ooh, so cool. Like seven of us. And supposedly there are more in the works and I'm going to pretend it's... that I know what they are, but I don't. We do. We just can't tell people. Uh, yes. <laughs> That's what it, we'll I say that. No, if I could go in the studio, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, but I always used to use the mentality of like, if one person like walks out of this sure. a little bit different, then yeah. you know, I'll be worth it. Um, and I, I did have, I don't remember if I've told this story on the podcast, but I did have, um, a, one of those situations that finally, like you get that feedback and you're like, ah, this is, this is why I did this. Um, yeah, I gave a yeah. witness talk at a church. Um, I was like a guest speaker for one of their like confirmation life nights for a life team program, which uh -huh. I ended up working at that life team program. And it's now like my home parish. Which oh, cool. Not, like I don't go to the parish in my town. I ended up traveling to this parish because yeah. they invited me in once as a guest speaker. I was like, ah, there's something special here. And I stayed. Um, nice. But that one talk, I was just an absolute like, I felt like nothing that came out of my mouth made any sense, but apparently it did a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. And the way that I like, I was like, I, I was definitely repeating that mantra of like, if one person walks out different, like this will be worth it. Whatever fool I made of myself, it, right. it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and I got a text from the priest later that day saying like, there was one teen that was really touched. Um, wow. And that's all he said via text. Um, but then I saw him like later in the week or something. Um, and he gave me more of the backstory, but like, I don't know, I had given kind of a little bit of my story, like dealing with like suicidality and stuff like that. And there was one teen that was like, that's it. I need help. I'm changing my life. Like, wow. Right. So it's like, yeah. that's, mm -hmm. yeah, you can't ever expect to do anything that, I mean, that's the greatest possible thing. That's just mm -hmm. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. so, it, it was so beautiful. And the retreat the next year, he gave his witness talk and his that like, that person point. who was touched by you did yeah. oh man that's his cool. turning point of his witness talk like we teach the kids how to like form a witness and like uh -huh. before life before life with christ right sure point that changed it life after yeah um, and his talk was structured around the turning point was my talk and i was like wow oh, all right jesus i see yeah. you yeah that's all yeah. him right like yeah yeah <laughs> like you you knew that I was going to hate every minute of giving that talk, <laughs> but you also knew that this kid was going to be here and like how beautiful that is. Right. Oh mm -hmm. man, that's cool. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, for sure. All right. Enough about my weird stories. That was a good story, but <laughs> no, it's good. Um, I was, I was such a disaster of a talk. Like I think it was the worst talk I was, I had ever given, which I think just adds to the story. Whatever the last talk is that I gave, that's the worst one I've ever given. And it just keeps going on like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like I always walk away from them. Like no matter how well you plan, you walk away and you're like, mm, that could have been 10 times better. But yeah. Oh yeah. That's just human nature, right? To be like mm -hmm. the second guessing on the drive home. <laughs> yes. yes. I always wonder if priests feel that way every Sunday about homilies. Yeah. I mean, they must a little bit. I mean, we can't, I can't speak for them, but I would imagine. <laughs> so if it was me, I would, I definitely yes. would, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but I guess if you're a priest for, you know, 70 years or whatever, you've got to overcome that <laughs> since yeah, you're giving a yeah. homily every day. <laughs> yeah. You just don't, I don't know, you either like don't care what people think anymore or you're, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that could go many ways. <laughs> um, all right. Back to SCP. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, I had a, I had a question. So this podcast is based off of questions. I'm glad I have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so being being a therapist during the day, working working hard at work, having a family, but then also taking on this other project. Um, how do you maintain boundaries for people who are potentially, I know you always kind of say like, I don't do therapy over Twitter, like that sort of thing. How <laughs> yeah. do you, how do you maintain boundaries for people who are clearly looking for some help or validation mm -hmm. in some way, but mm -hmm. you know that you can't be the one to fully provide that? Oh yeah, sure. Um, well, thankfully, uh, working for so long that I've really picked up a good toolbox of being able to connect people to folks who can do just that and give them what they need. Um, so, you know, a lot of people uh, reach out who are, 
who they have loved ones with mental illness who aren't willing to get help. Um, and that's a very big struggle. And we've tried X and we've tried Y and they won't do anything to get help. And we're at our wits end. And what do we do? Um, and there's like a group called NAMI that's uh, across the country, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, that's um, a family led program that can like really help families and get into the the details of, of how to work through that kind of a thing, right? Or there's crisis text lines, or, you know, I've actually like helped people kind of look up the the phone number to get mental health services in their place, wherever they, they live, just kind of um, really kind of helping them to find somebody close. It's sort of like um, when sometimes priests, you know, they get direct messages from people with questions about, was this a mortal sin? Or, mm. or you know, can I get some spiritual direction over Twitter, right? And I imagine, I mean, we, we both know like a few priests, right? And, and it's really like, the main thing is like, I can kind of listen to, and this is kind of how I think of it for myself with these questions. Like I can, I can get the gist of what's going on in your situation and I can kind of give the gist answer. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, you really need somebody who knows the ins and outs of what's happening on a really personal level that can't happen over the internet, um, to be able to give you actual real good advice for what to do. And so like, I'll say that a lot on my podcast when I'm answering questions, like, you know, um, you're the expert on your situation, not me. Like you'll know better how your family member will respond to this, or you'll know better how, you know, if you should still stay away from that brother who hurt you, or if you should try and work toward reconciling him, like you are the only one who can know that. Uh, but, but here's some tips to help kind of guide you, I guess, in a general way. Um, so that's one of the ways, and, and actually surprisingly, even though it's a podcast about mental health, not very many people, um, go beyond just asking a question and saying, thanks for the feedback, quite frankly. Um, it's very, very rare that people try to push my boundaries, which is so nice because, yeah. you know, at work, at regular work, it's like that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. I think, cause you're like, <laughs> you're with people at face to face or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, I think working in a, in a county mental health system, it's really been drilled into us how to have really good boundaries. And um, so it's almost like second nature to me at this point, you know? Um, mm -hmm. it, and so it comes kind of easy when you practice it all the time. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I feel like I, I, that makes sense. And hopefully like three years when I have my master's in social work, I will also have those boundaries. But you like will learn very quickly. Uh, <laughs> right. So I think it's like, I had really good boundaries coming in and, and I had replaced when I first started working at this one clinic here in the Bay area, um, I replaced somebody who uh, did not have good boundaries mm. and it really um, showed in their caseload and their clients that they were working with that people <laughs> expected a certain uh, level of helpfulness that was really codependency and not actual mm -hmm. like help, right? So like, you know, in, in my work, we have this big thing. So we have peer workers, which means people who have mental illness who have who have taken the college course to sort of um, be peer counselors. So we have them working in. And I always think about this. It's like um, they had cars, like county cars, and they could go pick people up and drive them to their doctor's appointments if if that's what needed to happen if they they didn't have transportation but really the point of them uh, of their work was to uh, and is to like go to that person's house and teach them how to take the bus to their doctor's appointment, get on the bus mm -hmm. with them, ride with them, show them what to do. And then the next time kind of hang back a little bit and slowly, but surely this person can gain independence. That's kind of the point. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess I just see like, that's how we're always viewing our work. Like a therapist job is to make you not need a therapist anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I know there's like this idea because of media, I guess that, people go to therapy for all their lives. And, and, you know, sometimes people can, that, that's true. People have some issues that really take a lot of unwinding. Um, but really like what we've learned in this field is that um, therapy should be like solution focused. It should be like building skills for you to use in your regular life. And really for like most people who are, who are going to therapy for, for, um, you know, what we would call like mild to moderate kind of issues. Um, it's like, you should be able to go to therapy 10 or 12 times and be like done. Yeah. And really, you might need like a booster or something like that if things kind of get tough, like in the middle of this COVID crisis, right? <laughs> like I'd imagine. Um, but really, it's like therapy is about this is what you can do to be able to survive this situation. Here's the coping skills. Let's practice them together until you feel comfortable and then you're on your own, right? And so I think for me, that's kind of the way that I view therapy work. It's like I want people to be able to live their lives and be able to have emotional health and freedom without having a therapist. And so that's part of where you come in with your boundaries, right? Is trying to remember that, like, I'm not here to fix someone. I'm not here to like coddle and take care of someone. I'm here to like, listen to them, help mm -hmm. them feel validated and teach them a different way forward, how to like restructure their thoughts or, 
or see the situation from a different perspective or or figure out how to make a plan when you're feeling well so that when you're feeling sick, you can look at that plan and just do it because you can't come up with something when you're sick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, I don't know mm-hmm. if that still answers the question about yes. boundaries, but. No, it does for <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. Even even not running a mental health podcast, I feel like that I've had a lot of people reach out for various levels of help for sure. like spiritual yeah. direction sort of things. And I'm like, what do you... I can't be a spiritual director. (laughs) (laughs) I always think like, gosh, if you could see what a mess I am in my regular life, you wouldn't be asking me for mental health help. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Like I might look good on the internet, but that's no. No, Or even at church, like the people who like, the people who saw me give that witness talk, I was like, I am just as much of a mess as you are. (laughs) Possibly even more. (laughs) But the Lord uses broken vessels, right? (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I really like the sentiment of, um, like, I don't know, I, I had a thought earlier today, somewhat unrelated, but same theme of like, the goal is not to like coddle and like continue care. It's to like set free almost. Um, most definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think like a lot of people are worried, um, like let's take, um, having PTSD or having trauma, mm-hmm. for example, a lot of us who suffer through something like that and then have symptoms that are, that are sticking around, uh, we don't want to get help because we don't want to talk about our traumatic experience that happened to us because it triggers us. It makes us feel scared. It makes us feel anxious, right? Naturally. Why would you want to sit and talk about the worst thing that happened in your life? Yeah. Um, but what people need to realize is like, that's not, I mean, if you're going to a therapist who's trying to help you, um, that's not what they want to talk about, right? Like maybe they need a little context to kind of see where you're coming from. But mm-hmm. but really the point of therapy is to be like, what's happening for you today that's causing you problems in your ability to live your life um, that was caused by that thing. But what's happening right now? Like, what can we fix right now? You're You're having nightmares and you're getting scared every time you go to sleep. All right, let's figure out ways to kind of work on that. Um, and we don't have to like lay on a couch and free associate and talk about the horrible things that have happened or the terrible things that your mother did to you. Um, Mm -hmm. even though those are important and everyone's experiences are important, but let's really focus on today in 2020 and figure out a game plan for helping with the symptoms that you have right now. Does that make sense? Like that's kind of like the point of it. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're like a private practice therapist and you're trying to make money, then sure. You'll talk to people all day long and make hundreds of dollars off of them, I guess. But red flag, if that happens to you, like run away from that person. (laughs) Yep. That would be much of Massachusetts. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Or like you get to the point where you are well enough in your everyday life that you well enough, but not perfect that you are ready to face some of that. And then you could do something trauma therapy or whatever, but that is definitely, I don't know, specific role for a specific person, not just like county mental health. Um, yeah. And I think for me, that's, that's one of the things of working in county mental health. Um, so I, I work with, well, I guess this is like a nationwide podcast. So I work with like the Medicaid population. We call it Medi-Cal here. Um, and it's like um, working in a county mental health system. There's no, um, like I, I get paid by the county and mm-hmm. I see however many people I see or I don't, or I, you know, whatever happens when people are ready to discharge and go live their life, I encourage them to go because that's mm-hmm. great. And I feel like, um, I'm really blessed in that way because if you're in a private practice, like um, ideally you want to discharge people when the time is right, but you're also thinking about how when you discharge someone like that's less money in your pocket. And so maybe you want to like make therapy go longer because you can't, you know, go without that hundred bucks this week or, or whatever. And I think that that can cause a lot of ethical conflicts for a therapist. And so I feel like the path I chose in my career has really spared me that. And I'm really grateful for that. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And a good, I don't know, I've always kind of thought I would like to work in like a university counseling center. Yeah, sure. Same Same kind of idea, right? You're not getting money from people as individuals. And I think that that really helps you um, make a treatment plan that's appropriate and not based on anything other than the person's care, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, All right. So we have to wrap up in a few minutes. All right. All right. Let's go. I have our kind of final topic. Um, you said, I definitely want to spend a lot of time on this and now we're doing it as like a brief wrap up. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's all good. Um, all right. So let's just dive into this. All right, Um, let's go. What are some concrete ways that we think that the church needs to grow in terms of caring for mental health? Um, so much better than it does currently. Um, I feel like we should just throw ideas out there. Yeah. And you should answer this too, because like you have a venture in mental health too. So I'd love to hear what you're thinking, Mm -hmm. but 
Um, the easiest thing for me is that, uh, well, step one, we have to remember that we're the church, you and me. Um, so I think we really have to break free of our Catholic temptation to be like, the bishops never do the right thing and our church is lagging. Um, we have to do all that stuff. Like we mm -hmm. have to fight for mental health, fight for racial and against racial injustice, right? We have to be the ones that do that since we're the church. So that's step one. Um, and then I think step two is being willing to, when we're feeling well, um, and we've worked through some things, being willing to be vulnerable to talk about those things openly would change uh, a lot, would change mm -hmm. everything. Um, in my own experience, like, like you know that um, my wife and I had the loss of a child, and mm -hmm. I think we felt like no one would ever understand us, no one can help us, no one knows what it's like, um, but we shared about our experience a little, and um, we were overwhelmed with how many people we met who had lived through something similar. Of course, everyone's experience is a little different, but people who could feel those feelings, right? Like when you met, when you meet with someone who's been through what you've been through or has experienced the mental health issue that you've experienced, mm -hmm. it's a totally different playing field. Like you can say terribly scary things that would scare other people away and they'll be like, yeah, yeah. like I get that. I know what that feels like. And that's, um, nothing beats that man. Nothing mm -hmm. feels so at home than that. So my, my point is like, if we were willing to talk about that, if we were willing to um, to talk around the donuts and coffee after mass about how we'd felt suicidal at some point in the past mm -hmm. and, and that that was normalized, yeah. that would change so much. So I guess like in terms of the leadership of the church, like they, the leader's job is to model that kind of behavior. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that that makes us feel more able to be vulnerable and to be open. Um, as we talked about before, I think um, the church could go a long way in learning what to do with folks who reach out to yeah. the parish for mental health help. So every parish should know their like local mental health access numbers, crisis lines, and should really know how to like kind of give that stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, that would go go a really long ways. And and I guess uh, one thing that I try to do that I would love to leave people with is um, <laughs> like I think we need to not over spiritualize mental illness. Yes. I see so much on on social media. Someone will say. I'm, I'm feeling so depressed. I'm feeling like I'm despairing and feeling hopeless. Can, you know, what do I do? And people will say, you should pray to such and such saint um, and hopefully they'll help you. And, and um, so it's, it's a, we have to do this like both and kind of walk as Catholics, right? Like, yes, prayer is amazing. God can do miracles. He can snap his, not snap his fingers, but you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Snap his fingers yeah. and your, your depression and your, your psychosis and your mood issues can be mm -hmm. lifted away. Just like that, of course, God can do that. And the saints can intercede for you and that can happen. Um, but also we have to remember that our faith is incarnational mm -hmm. and um, God comes to us uh, through human beings, right? Uh, mm -hmm. In so many ways, through priests, religious sisters, Jesus Christ himself, and also through doctors and therapists and helping professionals and loved ones and friends. And we have to realize that maybe the miracle that we're praying for is that um, somebody's willing to drive us to a doctor to, to talk about mm -hmm. mental illness with a doctor. So, so again, I think like prayer is so important. That's why I pray for everybody who asks a question on the podcast I have. But um, kind of like St. Augustine says, but tweaking it a little bit, right? We have to pray like our mental health depends on God mm -hmm. and reach out for help like it depends on other people helping us, I think, at yeah. the same time. So that balance, because I think we tend towards the spiritual side, which is, is yeah. great, especially in this mega secular world. Mm -hmm. But it can also be harmful because <laughs> not, it, it can really make you feel shut down if you're like, I'm feeling suicidal and somebody's like, oh, you should pray for the intercession of Maria Goretti and, and yeah. just, I just pulled her off the top of my head. Not that she's mm -hmm. connected to suicide, but, um, and, and hopefully she'll, you know, you'll get what you need and you'll feel better in the morning. It's like, okay, but like that person's crying out for help and we need to be like, here's what you do. You text home to 741741 yeah. and you text them and you get somebody who can help you and pray too, if you can, you know? Um, yeah. so anyway, mm -hmm. yeah, those are some things I think the church can do and, and all of us. Mm -hmm. What yeah. about you? What do you think? Um, I have lots of thoughts. Um, <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like definitely I agree with the over-spiritualizing. Um, and I feel like this is something that I'm trying to be less quiet about, but that was definitely kind of the beginning of my mental health journey. I fell into like, I don't want to say the wrong hands, but like some members of the church who definitely over-spiritualized and like, I even got wrapped up in like minor exorcisms and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. not, not quite what I needed. Like there's most right. definitely power in like, deliverance prayers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, but, mm -hmm. um, I feel like for a long time and even, I don't know, I've come into contact with some like youth group and like young adult settings that, um, just the language around mental health, I feel like could be shifted. Um, mm -hmm. 
that it's constantly something that you're being told to surrender. And if you mm. like if surrender, only you hoped enough and if yes. only you believed enough. Yeah. yeah. And like that, God doesn't work. God is not dependent like that. Like he's, I mean, one. Jesus believed enough and look what happened to him. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not yeah. how it works. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, you're totally right. And it's, it's so damaging to so many young people mm-hmm. to hear that kind of uh, language and to, to older adults like me, when I hear like, you know, well, if you believe enough, like God will do mm-hmm. a miracle and your son won't die. It's like, no, that didn't happen actually. Yeah. And that wasn't helpful in any way. No. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really wish that, I don't know why this is the case, but people think that mental health is different than physical health and it makes mm-hmm. me very frustrated. And so if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me like bang away on that all the time. Like mm-hmm. nobody would say that if you had out of control diabetes, you should only be praying about it yeah. and you should suck it up and like, mm-hmm. you know, take a walk and smile more and everything will work out. Nobody would say that. They would say, you go to the doctor and you get insulin. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really have to get to a point where we stop pretending like mental illness is a fault of the person or because they're inadequate in some way. And we realize that it's a health issue and that there's mm-hmm. treatment for it. And we help people get to that treatment. Yes. You know, like nobody would accept just letting a loved one sit in a house dying of cancer mm-hmm. without taking them to the doctor. But if they're depressed and isolating, nobody really gets on your case of like, mm-hmm. why haven't you taken them to a doctor? Mm-hmm. Why haven't you done something to help them? You know, um, yeah. and we have to change that because it's, mm-hmm. it's just unfair to people to put the burden on them. Like it's their fault. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And like, if only you prayed more, you wouldn't like, I don't know, very much in some settings I've been in, like, if you like anxiety and depression are results of you not praying enough, you're getting too wrapped up in the like, don't you believe in God? Don't you, don't you know that God can take care of you? Don't you know Padre Pio said like, pray, hope, and don't worry. Like what's wrong with you? Just pray and hope. Right. It's like, (laughs) it's like, no, there's, there's things going on in my brain, like Mm -hmm. biological things that are happening or I've been traumatized and who in the world that's been traumatized is going to be feeling comfortable when the sun goes down and it's dark or all these other Mm -hmm. situations. Right. Yes. Um, Yeah. It's really, I, people can't balance that for some reason. I don't, I don't know why, because the Catholic faith is so both and where we hold these two things in tension. Mm -hmm. So we have to hold intention that we believe that God could heal us. And if we prayed, we could move mountains so we could definitely get rid of our mental illness. But we also understand that like God doesn't only work in that way. Um, If he did, boy, what a harsh God, because he hasn't answered a bunch of my prayers in the way that I wanted. And I'm sure you too, right? So we have to keep our eyes open for like, maybe my prayer for trying to overcome anxiety isn't going to come by being able to fall asleep comfortably at night without being terrified. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's going to come by um, see, listening to a podcast that tells yeah. me there's a way to get help or having someone mention that they went to therapy for anxiety or having someone mention mm-hmm. that their doctor gave them medicine for a little while that helped them. Or maybe that's mm-hmm. the miracle. Maybe that's God knocking and being like, here's, here's, I'm giving myself to you in this way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That the answer is not what you wanted, but it's still there. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. 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 I have one other thought um, yeah. about what the church could be doing that's better. Yeah. Um, I think that there is a danger. I don't know. I feel like the church has taken one good step, but that's, we cannot rest where we are in like, <laughs> people are starting, especially like, I don't know, people who speak at like Steubenville conferences and like that kind of vibe of person mm-hmm. uh-huh. have started talking about their experiences with mental illness. And like, people are opening up more about like, oh, I've struggled with anxiety and depression. Sure. Let's pray for those with anxiety and depression. Like it's always, and obviously by far the most commonly experienced, like, um, but I think we're still too scared to touch oh, the yeah. mental illnesses that are scarier. Yeah, um, uh-huh. And it's so and, safe to talk about like just being depressed or anxious. Yes, uh, and, yeah. and I don't mean to say that those aren't serious and intense because they definitely can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you would, you wouldn't say like, you know, we hear far less about people saying like that they have experienced bipolar disorder mm-hmm. or they have a family member with schizophrenia or h- how many people would want to hear about people who've walked through eating disorders. Right. I mean, that's yeah. such a prevalent issue. I don't hear anybody talking about that really oh. for the most part, a couple people, one person, <laughs> maybe, but, but really it's like, why not? And I guess you're right. It's not, there is acceptable mental illness to talk about that's comfortable. Yes. And then there's mental illness not to talk acceptable. about that's not. Yeah. 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 Which is such a weird thing. And it's almost I don't know. I've been wrestling with this. Like it's almost more hurtful or Mm -hmm. like more isolating as a person who might fall into the category of chronic and persistent to be sitting in the pews and know that like whoever's 
preaching, speaking, whatever, or just the conversations that are going on around you are like validating one part of this community that you're part of, yeah. Uh, but not going like, oh, you're you're still too far gone. Like, sure, we're we're gonna go this far, but like, yeah, you're you're too far. Yeah, you're, you're like a different. Free. You're a different level here. We're not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not adequately able to talk about what you're going through. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. yeah, it's really sad. And, and you know, th- there's two things. I mean, like. I, I get what you're saying. And then I also can understand people saying like, well, you can't possibly touch on like every mental illness mm, when you're giving yeah. a talk, which is, that's okay. But you know, it, it doesn't take much to like, um, just an example. So sometimes like I, well, a lot, I talk about like pregnancy and infant loss. Cause that's something I've personally experienced. Now there's, um, lots and lots of ways that someone can experience that. Like you can have an early miscarriage, you can have a stillbirth, you can have a baby who's born alive that dies, um, you can have an ectopic pregnancy, you can have, you know, so many different ways. You can experience infertility, you can have had an abortion, you can have what's called a blighted ovum, right? Which is like kind of one that nobody talks about. And uh, sometimes when I've talked about that, I've, I've listed off all the different ways mm-hmm. and said like, everyone should know that this is happening to so many people and we should pray for everyone who's experienced all these different things. And I have had people like reach out to me and say like, Oh wow, you, you mentioned like people who have a blighted ovum, which is like something not a lot of people know about or talk about. And that's what happened to me. And nobody ever says that they always say miscarriage or something. Right. So that's just an example of something. And it's like, um, that would be the same thing, right? Like, Oh wow. You talked about OCD and Mm -hmm. like, nobody talks about that. They just talk yeah. about depression or maybe they'll talk about scrupulosity, but they're too scared to talk about like intrusive thoughts and OCD about like thoughts of wanting to hurt somebody, right. Mm-hmm. That, that just pop into your head and that's super scary, but you mentioned it and that, that mm-hmm. makes me feel validated. So yeah, yeah, again, things that we have to hold in tension, but none of it should be scary. We're yeah. all human beings. We're all like this family, this community, like mm-hmm. um, a lot of times when people hear what I do for work, they say, wow, like, how do you sit in a room and talk with someone who has schizophrenia? And I'm like, just like I would talk to anybody. I mean, like it's, so that's, that's another sign of like that stigma that's present. There's something scary about people who have, um, who have illnesses that we don't understand. That's something that people think. Um, But no, that's not how it is at all. Like people Mm -hmm. just want to be loved. You know what I mean? Like that's like the overarching thing. Mm -hmm. People just want to be loved and, and have somebody kind of sit with them. That's so Mm -hmm. simple. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I hope that our church will be more brave to, I mean, think about like PTSD, for example, mm-hmm. how many of us in the church are suffering from PTSD? And it's like, I don't hear anybody talk about that ever at all. And it's yeah. so prevalent and it's so scary and it's mm-hmm. so um, tiring from being hypervigilant all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, it's, it would be so easy just to like validate people who have that experience, but, but we choose not to talk about it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You're yeah. totally right. Yeah. 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 There's so many. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about, and I think two weeks ago on the podcast when this goes out, I had a conversation about my kind of like Harvard theory. It was a theory that I used when I was applying to colleges. And it was basically like, if I have to, um, if I have to be someone else on my like Harvard application in order to get in, like, then why do I want to be at Harvard? Because Mm. I won't fit there anyway. Like, right. Once you get there, it'll be like, this is who I actually am. And people will be like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've also, I was in this podcast episode extending that to like, why on earth have I not been talking about having PTSD? Why have I not Mm. been talking about having an eating disorder? Because like, Mm -hmm. if I, I don't know, I feel like especially working as like a younger, like public figure activist, like, especially when I was like pretty young, um, I was always afraid of like, oh, my future career, like my future job. Like, I don't want to. I don't want if to think it's out there that I had an eating disorder. I'm not going to get a yeah. job or get, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots like, of people feel that way. Like yeah. that's a very common. Yeah. But if I'm going to be honest about that now and then like, don't get hired by a company or not like wherever, like not get into a grad school that I wanted to, then, then like they didn't, I don't want to be there. <laughs> like, Definitely. If they don't want me with an eating disorder, like yeah. then, then what difference does it make if I'm like publicly talking about it or not? Like they're sure. clearly not a place that I want to spend as someone who has an eating disorder. Yeah. So, right. I don't yeah. Know. I feel 100%, like we need to that's right. Employ that if we get, but it's like, you kind of like, uh, that's a great idea, but then you feel like, or I would say, I would feel like, okay, so like if everybody else on earth is ready to be authentic all the time, then I'll do it. But if, mm-hmm. if people don't want to be, then I'm going to still hold back a little bit. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, if we could all just, it, isn't that fascinating? It's like so many things would be solved if we could all just be our true mm-hmm. self and just, yeah. You know, agree to do it on like, yeah, like, right. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, it would be wonderful. Be, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm proud of the work that you're doing because it's making a difference. And um, I mean, look at look at what you've done. It's been fantastic. And I hope that maybe you and I together can really lead the charge to make the church be a better place for those of us who have mental health issues. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, how can people find the podcast and how can people submit answer or question? Yeah. So it's called, it's called St. Dymphna's Playbook. So uh, she's the patron saint of mental health and mental health workers. You can um, just type that into Google. It'll come up. You can go to grexley.com and you can find it on there too, along with this one. Um, and you can send questions. You can uh, send an email to me if you want. The, the email link is on my website, catholichipster.com. That's a throwback from a long time ago, huh? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, or you can send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm uh, at the GH is silent on Twitter and you can send a DM and I promise I'll answer you and, and give you advice right away because you don't have to, you know, sometimes it's like, there's a lot of questions. So I'll say, well, it's in six episodes. I'll answer your question, but I actually answer it when you reach out to me. So you're not just left hanging. <laughs> so please do. Yeah. Reach out and, and listen to the podcast and, and let me know what you think. Yes. Yeah. Another takeaway. Reach out. <laughs> Maybe that's a challenge. I've been trying to do with this Hope and Humanity season a challenge per every episode. There you go. That's a good one. Like, yeah. Tell you, one person yeah. whose stuff you've consumed that you appreciate it. If you do. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you read a really good news article, like reach yeah. out. Yeah. Like journalists. Yeah. Like journalists, we, we never get to hear from anyone about articles. Like, I don't know. I have one theology professor at BC who whenever he picks up the newspaper, he'll say something, but like, he's the only one. Nobody <laughs> The journalist gets no thanks. <laughs> no, no, nobody follows up. But in this world of like Twitter and social media, it's very easy. Even with people who write in like the New York Times, it's like you're, they're just a direct message away now, you know? So it's like, yeah. you can let people know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, it has been awesome talking to you, Tommy. Yeah, you too. Thank you so, so much for listening. And a big thank you to Tommy for coming back um, on the To The Heights podcast and bouncing over to another Grexley podcast um, for a little while. It was an absolute joy to talk to you. As always, you can find all of the Grexley podcasts, including my podcast and Tommy's, on grexley.com, and you can also find our Redbubble merch store and our Patreon if you feel called to support the cause. Um, what else? What else? Um, <laughs> oh, oh, okay, my weekly challenge. Um was in, <laughs> I'm like recording the intro and outro a few days later and I don't remember, um, but we've been doing a weekly challenge in this Hope and Humanity um, season. Some of them have been to swap out something that's plastic in your life, single-use plastic, and change it over to something reusable. I have loved seeing um, photos of mason jars and all sorts of fun things. Um, we did last week with Abby um, from the National Youth Leadership Council for Roots and Shoots, which was such a sweet episode. Um, and that is such a beautiful chapter of my life. And she's such a beautiful person. Um, we talked about staying curious, um, being curious and doing research and how being homeschooled allowed her to kind of like set down her books and like be interested in something um, and kind of go off on tangents. So I challenge listeners to be curious about one thing this week. Um, this week, reach out to someone who you appreciate, some content creator, who you appreciate their media, who you think might not otherwise hear from you. So a journalist, I feel like journalists never get to hear about, like, you're, you're reading their articles for the news, for the content, not necessarily, you kind of overlook um, the work that they've done behind it, usually. Um, reach out to podcasts, YouTube, social media, TV, someone um, you can find everyone's emails on the internet. Reach out to someone and just let them know that you appreciate what they're doing for the world, whether that be secular or Catholic media. Um, I know it will absolutely mean a lot to them. And whenever I get a message like that, it just makes my day. Um, especially, I don't know, I feel like it makes my week. I've gotten a few like handwritten like letters from different listeners and that just, I don't know, it, it makes, it brightens like my entire week. Um, all right, so that is my challenge for today. Um, as always, you can also start submitting questions for our Sustainability Ladato C um, Ask Olivia episode at the end of this season. You can email any questions that you have related to sustainability or anything that we've discussed in this Hope and Humanity season um, 
to our email, which is to the heights podcast at gmail.com, or there's a contact form on Grexley, or you can DM us on any social media, which is at to the heights CTV. Be sure to give us a follow over on social media. I am trying to focus on our Instagram right now and growing that a little bit um, and providing more content over there. So that is all at to the heights CTV. You can find me at Olivia Rose underscore art or Olivia Rose Talk to you next week and keep on reaching to the heights.